Some people clap on a one and three. Some people clap on a two and four. Some people don't join at all because they got no rhythm, and that's all right. Some people, they drink too much. Some people don't drink enough. Some people are just like me. I hope y'all forgive them. I'm like Scott and Tommy Corbins. I'm like Pete Southtown, Zan Zan. I'm always speaking my mind, but I'm better off by my tongue. I'm a bad show at the wrong time. Still, I'm a legend of my own mind. I'm good for the song, but I'm not for Welcome to another episode of Zero Ales and Hockey Tales with Wally. And today, I am so excited to have on a 41-year-old from Glasgow, Scotland. His hockey journey took him to Scotland, Canada, USA, Northern Ireland, England, and France. A sixth-round draft pick of the Philadelphia Flyers, a staple of the Paisley Pirates, and another (laughs) Maine Black Bear. Before that, though, with the Cleveland Barons, had the most points and goals and was a first-team All-Star. As a Black Bear, all-rookie team, Hockey East second-team all-star, named on the all-tournament team, which means he's a gamer, and was in Hockey East champion and a second-team All-American. Great Britain, two bronze, four silvers, and two gold medals. In the EIHL, became a legend of the Belfast Giants, five times scoring the most goals in the league by a Brit. And he did that three years in a row at one point on a route to one KO Cup, three Challenge Cups, one playoff title, three league titles, and I found out for the first time ever, I'm having someone that's been inducted into the Ice Hockey Hall of Fame. Welcome to the podcast, Colin Shields. How's it going? Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Did you get inducted into the British Ice Hockey Hall of Fame this year? Yeah, that was just, um, I found out a couple of months ago, but they just announced it last week. So um, it was a little bit of a surprise. I kind of heard about it before, like that it was a thing, you know. Um, and I knew a few few guys that are in there, of course, Tony Hand and a couple other players. But um, but I yeah, never heard of uh, it until I, the research no, I, team found it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The uh, it was a little bit unexpected. It wasn't really something that was on my radar. We really expected. So nice. Well, that's really cool. Aqua, so what are they going to do? Um, I got presented with a little plaque at my gym because beauty the guy uh, the, the representative for the Hockey Hall of Fame is a guy called Jim Grace. He actually used to own Rockies next okay. to the, yeah, in yeah. the arena there so uh, i remember when the blue jays sh- were in the playoffs and we were in belfast that was a happening place after one of our games <laughs> <laughs> that thing's it used to be buzzing and then and um yeah and then the, kind of the rank started their own bar and he, he did pretty well though for a while and then it just sort of kind of uh, went a different way um well congratulations um well deserved after the intro you can see why you're getting inducted into that <laughs> um, but that's really cool um so the uh, how i get into this is how we know each other um also your business is uh the sponsor today total performance fitness right <laughs> where's yeah, that belfast so. yeah so uh, just outside belfast that's where i live now i've lived here pretty much since about 2008 um and i started up the gym there and um while i was still playing in 2015 so it was nice to have something to fall back on when you retire because as you know uh we can't uh, retire in barbados with all our money you know no no we don't have that much money we have to actually work (laughs) after um so how many like you is it athletes or what are you doing or is it just general public what are you doing um it started out with with mostly athletes because i started 
going way back to when I was living in California in like the early 2000s in the summer, I went out there to train. And then I kind of liked the training that we were doing. And so kind of started mentoring under a couple of guys out there. And then uh, it just sort of snowballed from there. And then when I came to Belfast in 2008, um, I would kind of train the other guys that lived here um, in the summer and sort of make the workouts. And then it went from there to sort of the junior hockey players, uh, like the junior giants. And then it got to the point where um started like a Facebook page and then people were messaging me like, hey, I'm not an athlete. Can I train? And I said, well, why the hell not? So yeah. started it and uh, snowballed from there. And But it was a lot of work for the last sort of three or four years while I was still playing, trying to pretty much work two full-time jobs. But I'm definitely glad I started it because now that I'm retired from hockey, it, it makes things a little easier when you got something in place. Yeah, for sure. It definitely would make the transition easier. So congratulations on firing that up because there's a lot of guys that uh, – I guess don't get started on the next phase until it's either too late or it's, it's, you know, really punching you in the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I've been trying to help. Uh, not, I mean, the guys that I would know that play here, the British guys, because especially the British guys, because it just happened like organically, the, right? You're just helping yeah, them because you yeah. went over to Maine and you're, and you're learning all these different ways of training that maybe probably yeah. weren't over here yet eh? or over there yet. Yeah, I think so. And then they were sort of, uh, you know, a little bit, you know, like, hey, can you just, no one likes kind of making their own workouts in the summer. And, and it's a lot easier if you got someone to tell you what to do. Yeah. Some people don't like working out at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, okay. Another way of how we know each other then is you may or may not know this, but we definitely played against each other in college. Um, that My roommates were just on and we talked about one of our best memories or wildest arenas we remember and everybody said the weekend in Maine and that was against you <laughs> what a, what a barn eh yeah that was definitely uh on my recruiting trip there it's something special because I mean back then they, they were such a powerhouse they're still a really good team now but had a little bit of a slide maybe in the last five to ten years and I mean you go to watch a game there and you're they put you right in the front row in the balcony in the student section on your recruiting trip Oh, like really i was maybe, actually, I, there might have been a few pucks get up there <laughs> not in not in a warm-up but yeah pucks are just getting pinged up there but it's a great atmosphere for for hockey and in the not state the of place Maine, to be in warm-ups so that's for sure it's no <laughs> but it's a good i mean call, most college hockey uh, venues are great but Maine's special because i think they're just super passionate there and there's not a lot of pro hockey teams in maine or pro sports so um you know it's definitely one that, that everyone likes to follow yeah, I still remember that atmosphere. It was like, I don't know how many people fit in that place, but it was the loudest <laughs> arena I had been in to that point in my life. And uh, okay, and then we played against each other there. And your goalies, uh, Frank Doyle, was uh, played against me in Junior B, and then I think he played in the UK for Sheffield or something, right? And Jimmy yeah. Howard. Their stats that year, I wrote He's down. Decent. Their He's stats, decent. one guy is howard's goals against 1.19 and doyle's was <laughs> 1.81 so neither goalie averaged two goals against a game eh? That's <laughs> pretty solid defense and goalies yeah i think like we played something like in the within the we won the hockey east playoffs that year and we went from like something like the semi-finals or sorry the quarterfinals to the semis to the hockey to the sorry the regionals ncaa all the way through the finals jimmy howard led in like one goal, two goals, zero goals, one goal, one goal, yeah. like one goal, one goal. Like we lost the final. We won the semifinal against uh, Boston College 2-1 in the, in the Frozen Four. And then we lost the final one nothing. So in two oh. games, he led in two goals that we fucking lost. Like, you lost one goal. nothing in the finals? Who beat you? 
Denver. I lost twice in the finals. In um, oh, 2002, God. I lost. We played Minnesota in Minnesota. And it was I'm really like confused now. Okay, I'm really confused because I kind of thought I didn't get much opportunity out of school because I didn't get on the big stage, big national stage, yeah. and nobody really saw me play. But you were playing in all those big games, and you were putting up ridiculous numbers. Hey. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it went pretty well. I I got a good first year, and then um, and then second year, I just got off to a good start, and I got injured, so I kind of had to, actually like something like thirteen goals the first thirteen games, or twelve goals. And then I got injured and then I had the one goal in the last like 15 that year. Um, and then I had a good senior year. Um, and then yeah. everyone's got a good story, but or oh. got an excuse while I didn't get an opportunity. But so I, had, I, I uh, was drafted by Philly, but then the next year was the lockout. Um, the so year you leave like, school is the lockout? Yeah, 0405. So, oh, no, that's why yeah, it goes that way. Now it all makes it sense. Was I was brutes. so confused looking at your numbers and why you were on three yeah. different teams in the East Coast your rookie year, but it's because of the lockout. Well, I mean, my agent at the time said, look, like Philly's not signing it. They have enough guys under contract. They want to bring you in basically on a tryout. He goes, but I think we can get you a better opportunity. He said they have no spots in their American League team. Like right. none. They basically, their, their roster's locked. So he said, I think I can get you tryout in San Jose and they have like three open spots. Um, so I went to San Jose's camp, uh, camp, played in the rookie tournament and then I went to the AHL camp in Cleveland. And then it was done. I was the last cut. It was done to myself and Mike, remember Mike Hoffman, that big massive guy, six foot five. Mike Hoffman? A, like the guy. Yeah, not the one that plays, not the one that plays in the NHL. The one that, that plays in the NHL I used to work out with, but I don't know the other yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. He was like a career American League guy, and uh, but like six foot five, just a monster. He played for Belfast one year in like 2011, so it was down to him and I for like the last spot. And uh, probably given the way that the AHL was in 04, five, you can guess they went with the heavyweight. So yeah. Um, and then uh, then the reason, I mean, and then probably one of the regrets I have was I had four or five East Coast League teams looking to sign me, um, and I because I was living in California, I picked San Diego. And retrospectively, they had like a very old veteran team. And, you know, it's easy to look back now, but it probably should have picked a team like one of the other ones, which had a lot of younger guys and would probably got more opportunity. And, and I just they, had a they horrendous say rookie year. They say uh, in the, the coast, like the guys that play in the North Division get called up more, right? Because they're closer to AHL teams, yeah, if that's yeah. what you're into. So, yeah, um, I just okay. Uh, now, now your story is all making more sense, but we're getting way ahead <laughs> of ourselves now because <laughs> we're still into how we know each other. I'm moving back around. on the tracks here. Okay, <laughs> the other guy that other main black bears I've had on is Michelle Levelet. Oh, yeah, I'm gonna use my line mate. Can you tell you? Yeah, um, he, he played with me in Hellbron, but uh, we never yeah. really got to play together, but he was a great dude. Yeah, he was my line mate, him, myself, and um, at the start, it was him. Dustin Penner and I and uh we cooked really well my senior year and then Penner got switched to another line and it was uh Levier, myself and um Greg Moore who who another played a lot player. in the American League yeah. yeah yeah and he was like touted to be a big New York Rangers prospect um so yeah we played together a lot me and Lev's yeah he's a good passer good centerman very um, very good yeah, well, our team underachieved that year so I don't really have many guys on from that team but I had him on <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> but the other way we know each other then is, uh, I guess, how I got your phone number uh, was Mr. Todd Kelman. He's one of your buddies, one of my buddies, right? Oh, yeah. He um, he was sort of uh, one of my closest friends in, in 05, 06. When I first came to Belfast, 
And uh, we just kind of like, we became good friends and a lot of similar, you know, things in common. And I was kind of intrigued a lot of things he was doing. And then he became the, the GM, I think, a couple of years later and brought me back in 2008. So you played um, with him for a couple of years, then you leave. And yeah, then, one year. Okay. Then you left. And then he, then when you come back, he's the one that signed you back. Yeah. It's a funny story because um, he, um, so I was here in, in 05, 06, and then he, we won the league together. That was the year that Theo Fleury was here. And then I wanted to kind of give the coast another shot. So I went back and played one more year in the coast. Right. And then uh, he was the GM and he, I think it was his first year GM. And uh, I pretty much outed all the elite league salaries on another podcast. So I'll just tell this story too. So he, so he, uh, I start emailing him and he, he said, Oh, what are you looking for? And I said, well, I said like probably like six, seven, eight hundred a week, like top end Brit, right? Like had yeah. thirty, whatever, you know, good prospect. And he goes, we we're getting guys for four hundred a week from the coast uh, who had better points than you last year. And I was like, all right then, good luck. And then I end up signing with Newcastle. And then like a year later, he was like, oh my god, because I just didn't really know like what the market was for Brits in the league at that time. And I was like, well. So I ended up playing in Newcastle for a year, which was fine. I had a good time. And we had, an interesting you had 30 team goals or so. Yeah. 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 And then um, they, they sort of were a bit on the way down because of uh, just the crowds and things like that. So I ended up signing back in Belfast the year after. Okay. Kind of story. Um, I actually never really knew what other people were making, like kind of legal. I never knew what Brits made when I played over yeah, there. Yeah. Um, I didn't know how it related to what I was making. I just knew mm-hmm. what I was comfortable with the first year I went there. Like I kind of heard what the NBA guys got, that it was less money. Yeah. And um, we made that happen. And that, you know, so I, I wasn't really in it for the money when I went there, but then the next year I just wanted to stay in Cardiff. Right. And then yeah, yeah. I did get to make more my second year, but then I never really played any hockey. I just, yeah, yeah. Speeches. <laughs> I mean, I don't really think that anybody comes to this league to make a lot of money, but you still, you don't want to, you, you know, depend if you're doing your MBA or in school or anything like that. And I always pretty much when I played in Belfast probably took a lot less than I could have got around the league. You know, when you heard about what other guys were making. But I, again, like yourself, I was comfortable with what I was making. I enjoyed the city. I enjoyed the people around here. And then, of course, once I set up roots here and married my wife, there was no chance I was leaving anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, yeah, once you set down the roots, just like Richie has in Cardiff, he was just the last one on there. Um, but yeah. yeah, so yeah, that's another way we know each other is Mr. Kelman. Uh, he was in Cardiff with me. And then, uh, okay, so. Where and what are you doing now, I guess, is the gym. That's what you got cooking mainly these days, eh? Yeah, pretty much. Um, it's really only been – this is kind of – I've been retired since 2019, so, you know, three years. But uh, it was pretty much only one full year of hockey, you know, before March 2020. So, But I uh, got the gym going, and I try to play a lot of golf and just kind of enjoy a little bit more free time. I mean, I think we both can testament so much – your weekends and you're just playing hockey for nine months a year you don't get more than half a day off it's just it's interesting when you retire and all of a sudden you have a, a lot more free time so just trying to enjoy myself a little bit more and uh the first year i was retired i was glad because i did like five trips in like the first six months and i was glad i did i was like all over the place like america europe like i was glad i did because obviously in, two, in uh, march and everything shut down so um if i didn't go anywhere i'd be like flipping hell but yeah no i the traveling is it's I don't know. For me, it's weird because when I joined the real world, then I didn't get any more vacation, right? Yeah, then I, yeah. I had a job and like you only get two weeks a year. So it's like, man, you got to you gotta live on the weekend, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I was pretty fortunate that 
once once with my business and stuff i i'm glad i set it up as i said because you weren't too stressed out about it sort of starting from a point but it also allowed me to have a bit more free time because i can make my own hours a bit more too oh it's perfect great transition well done sir so (laughs) i'm curious though because you know sometimes i hear quite a bit of an accent there in the back then i don't hear an accent (laughs) i'm really confused you know so growing up in glasgow or paisley where did you grow up um, so I start, I'm from Glasgow originally, um, and I started playing hockey there when I was probably about, I started skating. My mom and dad used to be involved in hockey. My dad actually played for Team Great Britain as well um, back when he was younger, and he was involved in hockey coaching, and my mom was a British junior figure skating champion. Genetics, but the folks. rink that they actually uh, skated at, it actually closed down when I was about four or five. Um, so apart from maybe like pottering around on the ice, I actually didn't really kind of skate that much and then when I was about eight or nine another rink opened up and we sort of stumbled on it so I hadn't skated really at all and I stumbled on it at that there's just no rinks around no there there wasn't really and they they started opened up this other rink and we my mom and I on Saturday were looking for like a bowling alley or something my parents weren't involved in hockey or skating at that point at all because they had the rink had closed down so they just got continued with the rest of their lives right and uh so I said, oh, I found this rink. So I was like, oh, let's go in. And there's a guy in there who used to work at the other the rink that they used to skate at. So he loaned me a pair of skates, went out there and was buzzing around. So from that from every weekend for about a year, maybe six months to a year, we just go skating on Saturdays um, and then just started in hockey after that. And that's at eight and, or nine years old? Yeah, yeah. So I probably didn't get into hockey really until I was probably about 10. And how far away is this rink say. to your house then? um well it was pretty close i mean maybe like 15 20 minutes and did they um, have minor hockey there then is that where you start playing hockey yeah so back then they only had so when i first started when i came back actually uh when i first started we maybe only had like learn to play for young kids but there's no teams in glasgow so like fife dundee edinburgh they had like under 14s under 12s but glasgow only had under 16s that was the youngest age group they had just because of like ice time and, and, you know, resources, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, so I just started, we just practiced and that was it. And then maybe gradually the next year we had under 14. So we were all really young. And uh, I don't know if you remember a guy called Stephen Murphy. He was a the Giants yeah. goaltender. Cool, yeah. So he's my, yeah, he's my cousin. So uh, it was like him, myself, a couple other guys. And then we started getting better and better. And then our last year under 12s, we got under under 12 team. So we, we would travel through to like Fife or Dundee or Edinburgh and there would be like an under-12s game, then an under-14s game, under-16s game. And we'd play all three, <laughs> all <laughs> back-to-back. So you'd like play, play all three game. teams, so you'd start against oh, yeah. the under-12s oh, yeah. and work your way up. You oh, might yeah, be tired yeah. so, by the end when you're playing the big oh, boys, eh? <laughs> we, thought, we thought it was hilarious. But so we under-12s, like we were doing pretty good because we were decent. And under-14s, like win or lose, you know? And then we're all like, 11 or 12 years old playing against like 16 year olds who were getting crushed but still by the time we got to like well by the time I got to 14 that's when I left but um you know yeah, but that's how kind of started get, with the hockey we're gonna get into that that's interesting that's how it all started um and I do need to mention this while we're at the start and I don't just uh episode 34 Garrett Mears his wife was in a car accident um long-term injuries um I'm raffling off this jersey behind me to raise money for them so please buy a ticket at my website www.aleshockeytails.com um, and all the money is going to them so cheers please come together hockey world and my friends thank you not correct okay moving on 
So you moved away from home at what age? Pre pubic hair or after? Fourteen. <laughs> there was a, probably some stubble on there, but uh, yeah. not a lot. Not a lot. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, and, and around um, it was sort of the point where I'm sure it probably in Canada too. You kind of get you get decent at the level you're at, and then if you want to progress, you can have to move away from home. And um, yeah. it, it was just one of those ones where my dad was coaching and the the league below kind of the elite league at the time. And uh, he had a couple of imports on his team. So that's who he was coaching Paisley that, that you mentioned before. And uh, a couple of the imports were like, oh, we got a connection at, this, at Notre Dame. Um, so they got me, they kind of got me in there. And it was one of those ones where uh, my mom and dad, they were, I guess, calling up or writing. I don't even know how you would contact someone back in 1994. And uh, they so were trying to get me in all summer, but they were full. They were like, we have no, we have no grade nine spots. Like it's completely full. So, but they're like, just keep in touch or whatever, because stuff changes all the time. And then I think, I can't remember, but say October or early November, yeah. uh, maybe not even that late. Some kid got kicked out. For, there was the accent. Out say out again. Uh, out, out and about. Yeah, he got kicked <laughs> out. So, uh, so a spot opened up. So I just buzzed over. So we literally over the course of maybe like a week to 10 days, booked a flight, showed up, showed up there on a Sunday, took like three flights to get there. Just show up with two hockey bags, hockey bag equipment, clothes, and then and that's uh, to the yeah. boarding school in Saskatchewan. Yeah, yeah. cab drops you off, Just and it's no like food. coming into winter in Saskatchewan. Eh? <laughs> oh yeah, and like it's and it's not like things are now. I mean, I had the name of a lady, like oh, this lady, I'll you know, she'll show you where to go, but it's a Sunday too, so I just like cruise up like first person I see, I'm like, hey man, I just <laughs> I just got here, like what the where do I go? So then sort of you know someone makes a call or finds somebody else but yeah just pretty much right in the thick of things next day first day of class and everyone's like where the hell did you come from um you got the scottish kid you know and uh and then you just like join you just the hockey up. program then and go start going to class and you're in yeah i mean the next day i think just just tag on with this kids like, oh, i'll show you around so just go to class with him and the teachers say oh we heard you we're getting somebody new so kind of a novelty I guess and then um, they had already had their tryouts though because they have like back then they had like 18 teams right so for band and midget and everything they have all different levels like triple a double a all the way down so um they had already had their teams pretty much set so I was 14 so I was Bantam and uh so they're like oh go and try out with go practice like the triple a team so I was also like pretty scrawny for my age, for my age, you know, 14. And, and, and like the highest level of hockey you'd been playing. And I guess you had played the yeah. kind of second league pro for Paisley or no, for your old man? No. Um, at that point, not really. Um, just sort of practice with them, right. you know, but never, I would play against other 14, 15 year olds in Scotland. Big difference all of a sudden. So you're, you're still, the only hockey, yeah, the only hockey you've played is when you're playing in three different age yeah. groups at a six year span. Yeah. <laughs> Scoring probably like 200 goals in 20 games, you know, and then you're firing right in. And, and the two guys on, on the Bantam AAA team at the time were Brad Richards and Vincent McCavier. <laughs> yeah so that's who you went out for practice with the first time yeah the first time but it, i mean they were they were jumped right set, into it of course <laughs> yeah. yeah and then so i practiced with them i felt like i wasn't out of my depth or anything like i had good skills and all that but maybe just wasn't ready for i mean north american style so i finished i played the whole year with the i think it was like double a tier one i mean they had like 10 different bantam teams um I did, I did pretty well it was good like um there's a guy who actually used to play for 
He played for Brayhead a couple of years ago at Glasgow. Jeff Ulmer. Have you ever heard of that name before? I've heard the name. Yeah, I don't know him. Yeah, he's from he's from Wilcox, Saskatchewan. So his dad, Dennis Ulmer, was my coach. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, small. And then and like one of he, like all the coaches are like teachers at the school and like admin people. Like it's it's a real small tight community. So so yeah, I played for that team for the full year. And uh, okay, now this is where I'm curious. Yeah, this is where I'm curious though, because it says on there you went and played for the Kitchener Dutchman. So you may you didn't know this, but I didn't know this, but I'm pretty sure I'm watching you, and I'm one of the kids in the crowd that's oh, like a really? huge Sugar King fan, man. Did you guys lose in Game Seven to Elmira in overtime? In which year? Do you remember? Um, well, the Elmira Sugar Kings won at Game Seven in Elmira against Kitchener. Derek Hahn yeah, scores the OT winner and then they they march to the Southern Cup championship and I'm like a super <laughs> fan in the front row. <laughs> I um yeah, so, so the same guys that recommended me to go to Notre Dame, one of the guys, Terry McCutcheon, he actually retired to Kitchener. And so my dad kept in touch with him and he's like, Oh, why don't why don't you come and like play on my junior B team? Right. So I went to Kitchener. Um, I went to like, played in like a showcase thing, but I was only 15, right? Yeah. It still wasn't much bigger at the time. So I, uh, cause he was coaching junior B, I actually played for the midget team or Bantam team. I can't remember. Played for the midget or Bantam team. And then I would get to practice with the Dutchman sometimes. So right. I did that for that year. And then I think it was like, it was the years after that that I played a couple years for the Dutchman. Yeah. So yeah, maybe you don't remember. Did you play them game seven in the playoffs? Do you oh, know, that's I, a long time I, ago. I, yeah, the guys that were playing, like I remember, uh, like for Elmira, it'd be Rob Collins, Brandon. Dietrich. Oh yeah, I played. I played against those guys, and then we had like Jeff Schmogey and um, Joe Spina and the kind of guys like that. Yeah, I'm totally um, a super fan watching you play that. <laughs> <laughs> but it was uh, kind of an funny. interesting setup though, because you're you're playing it right at the in the, the rinks back there in, in the kitchen. It's a great setup, and as a 15, 16 year old, you get to go watch like all the OHL games for free and. You know, yeah. you're cruising around there playing like a pro, not like a pro hockey player. But Did you go to high school so much at Yeah. So the first year I went to St. Mary's. And then I think that's my last year there. I went to East. Is it Eastwood? I think it was Eastwood High School. That's where all the, because the first year I went because the, the family I was living with, they live closer to St. Mary's. And then this, the last year I was played there. Um, I went to Eastwood. That's where all the other OHL players. Were so there's people stuff, building so. you and stuff to play bantam hockey then, eh? Yeah, so they just the first year I think when I played, um, I stayed with Terry for a little bit, and then I I built it with the family. Uh, the goalie was a player on the the Bantam or Midget team, and then the, the next year when I played Junior B, uh, it was actually a family whose son used to play for the Junior B team. He was a goalie as well. I was one of the goalies in the story, but um, and so yeah, just built it with the family. That was the first time I built it with families since I've been over there. So I, I guess this is kind of how you decide then you're with the Dutchman for a bit. You've worked your way up and small world that you're from Glasgow and now you're living in my neck of the woods by Elmira, Ontario. That's just interesting. And I'm watching you play. And then our paths cross a couple more times. Just weird stuff when you get asking around. But OK, so then you leave, though, Kitchener, which you could get scholarships, right? Like that's where I got my scholarship was out of that league. And my team, I think, had seven or eight that year. And now they don't really get scholarships out of that league. But you decided to move away to the Cleveland Barons. Why did you leave Kitchener for Cleveland? Um, well, when I was playing in Kitchener, as we were saying about the OHL, you're, you're watching the OHL and you think that it's amazing. It looks like pro hockey. And, and the whole time I was there, I was like, I want to play in the OHL, play in the OHL. But I didn't really – I was still pretty small at the time. And I didn't really grow. And 
there was a few guys on the, the, the Dutchman that got scholarships, but not a lot. And then um, there was a guy when I was my, my dad's brother used to live north of Toronto and I used to go live with him in the summer sometimes to go to a hockey camp up there. Um, and there was a guy who was coaching at that hockey camp like seven years before. And he must have kept track of me somehow. And he he messaged me and said, hey, uh, I messaged my parents and was like, hey, I'm co- assistant coach down in Cleveland, Ohio. Do you guys want to come down and check it out? So I think I was 18 at the time. And my dad's brother drove drove down there. We drove, it's about a six hour drive, drove down to Cleveland for a weekend. And uh, they took us around and, and they showed us all the stuff and uh, looked like a really good setup. And, and it was sort of another, it just seemed like you were closer to all those those teams and you were going to get scouted more. And it was the North American League at the time. And, and there was a lot of guys getting scholarships out of there. So, you know, at that point, the OHL dream was dead. So I thought, you know, it was a better opportunity for me to go down there and hopefully try and get scholarship. Yeah, no, good call. It's, uh, I mean, it's tough for me to hear that my old league doesn't get many scholarships, but like American, <laughs> American players are better than they used to be. Like they don't need as many Canadians yeah. for scholarships, right? Like they already got enough good Americans now. If you look at the yeah, rosters. I mean, they, yeah, I mean, we didn't really know, right? Because back then it's still 1998. I didn't, didn't really know. And if someone says, oh, there's X amount of scholarships. So if the Midwestern Junior B the year before, when I was there, maybe had like, at that time had like four or five scholarships yeah, yeah out of it league wide yeah yeah we're down in the north american there's like four or five guys a team going every year maybe not I, on and now like the going. full rosters are going <laughs> yeah yeah exactly so okay. it made more sense for me at that time i agree and research team found it they were hot is uh you played with jimmy slater who was like a first round nhl draft pick so was he playing with you when he got drafted first round or was he at michigan state then um, well, he played one more year because I would have been 18 and he, I think he was 16 the first year. I think he played in Cleveland for three years. Um, okay. I just saw your stats. You had check. 46 goals and he had like 35 goals and you guys were the top two on the team. I know they took the wrong guy. I lost that. <laughs> the, uh, the, uh, but yeah, he was, I think, the, I think he was 16. I, I played with him. I can't remember if I played for one year or two years, but he was just like, you could tell that he was, you know, rough around the edges, but was super strong for a 16, 17 year old and, and really good skills and, uh, and a really nice kid. And we still keep in touch. And, um, but yeah, so we spent a lot of time together to meet Jimmy and there was a couple other guys that end up playing college after that as well. Okay. Yeah. He was a good player for Michigan state. I remember yeah. that. Um, so then how do you, uh, when do you get recruited to Maine and uh, do you get to go on, like you go to the recruiting trip, you said you were in the fan section, right? Yeah, so like the first year I went to Cleveland, like we didn't really know. We were like, oh, we're going down here to try and get a scholarship. I was 19 after the season. I was, well, during the 18, 19 year, I think I had like 30 goals, good points. We're like, why are these teams not contacting? Like, should we not start emailing teams? And the coach was like, man, just be patient. Like, it'd be better if you played another year. And this uh, coach that was there, Tim Alexander, um, he passed away a few years ago, but he, he said, no, just be patient. Like, come back, play another year and you'll see. Like, and I was like, okay, well, We'll see, I guess. So started the season and uh, came out pretty hot, like had, you know, one or two points, probably close to two points a game, the first five or six, eight games. And then there was a like a league tournament in Detroit. Uh, and we actually, in CompuRam, we actually won it, our team. And there was scouts, there was like 50 scouts at every game from, from all college teams and NHL teams. And uh, I think I led the tournament in scoring and we won it. And then right after that, it was sort of uh, like a daily basis. I was getting calls. Frenzy. Yeah. So it just sort of went from almost like silence before that. Maybe a couple teams called, 
Um, and then from there, I, I got a, I went to visit Miami, Ohio, who they were still a little bit under the radar yeah. at that point. They were sort of, they were starting to start to come up a little bit. Um, and then I, w- I went and visited Michigan State. Um, I just wasn't like super sold on it. And then this is all within like two, three week period. Um, and then I had a couple other recruiting trips set up and then Maine called as well. So I went to Maine and, uh, but it was kind of between, I would say Maine, Michigan, New Hampshire. Um, You're going to the big schools, eh? You're a big deal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, was going, it was going okay at that point. I don't know what happened, but the, uh, <laughs> but yeah, the guy, uh, guy from, uh, so we do recruiting trips set up to Maine and the guy from Michigan called me on like a Wednesday and he goes, um, he said, Oh, we're interested. I'd like to bring you in. And I said, well, I'm going to Maine on, on, on Friday. And he just started laughing. And I always remember the call. And I said, Oh, why are you laughing? And he's like, well, he goes, I'll call you on Monday. And then if you're still, he goes, then I'll, we'll see if uh, you want to come in to visit. So I went to Maine, obviously, and it was just like an unbelievable experience. Sean Walsh was the coach and, when I went on the ones to Michigan State and, and Ohio, the visits were fine. But, like, I was spending almost the full day with, like, Sean Walsh, who's the head coach. He was, like, bringing me into team meetings, like, during the game and stuff before the game. It was just it was just the other one. The other trips I went on, they feel like we just sort of cart you around. And like, you yeah, can tell this, this you can tell when they who really wants you. You can tell yeah. by the way they talk to you, by the way they exactly. take you around the town. Oh, yeah. Exactly. You can tell for sure. It was, yeah, yeah. it was the same for my – couple of recruiting trips i just went to northeastern and western michigan but yeah when you go to a school and like when i go to western michigan and you can just tell like how bad they want you yeah. it's a whole different experience right and then then you want them back <laughs> yeah and then um you know and the guys were really good really down to earth and uh you know as i say they stick in that student section right in the right on the balcony there and it's unreal atmosphere and you're just like this is unreal and i knew i pretty much knew right away after the trip like that i wanted to be a part of it so I think I either called him from the airport or I called him the next day um, to tell to Sean Walsh and just rang him straight up and said, I want to be a part of it. And then it was funny because the guy from Michigan called me like the day after. And he's like, well, you're, you're, I assume you're going to Maine. <laughs> and I said, uh, why is that? And he goes, yeah, most people that go in there, like this was back obviously 20 years ago too, when yeah. things were a little different. And he goes like, most guys that go in there, um, when they see what it's like, he says they usually commit right away. And that's what was interesting for me was because the day after I committed to Western Michigan, I think I had like a hat trick or something in a, the junior B game and Maine was waiting for me outside of the locker room. And our assistant coach at Western Michigan was like, sorry, man, he committed yesterday. And like when I went to Maine and I saw that arena, I saw those fans and I'm a small town guy, like, and that's not too big. And it's the, the atmosphere and it's all about hockey. I would have had a hard time saying no. And it's just interesting, you know, and now all of a sudden I have a lot of Maine guys come on here, seem to hit it off with the black bears. <laughs> okay. Moving on, where are we? You uh, still played under 20 for Great Britain, though, eh? That's when you first start making GB? Because I saw you never it, – it, research team didn't find under 18s for GB, did they? I don't even know if they – I think back then they didn't have under 18s. Wasn't a thing, um, eh? No, I don't think so. I remember when I was playing and um, when I was playing that year midget, I think I was 16, 15 or 16. Um, I played in a couple of world championships that used to be at Christmas, but we'd be in a couple, obviously a few divisions down. So um, I would just fly back, play, go to, I think the first year went to like Romania, then went somewhere else. I can't remember Hungary. And then uh, when my 19th, the year that I was in Cleveland there, my, my last year junior, we went to and played in Japan. So I went from, 
I went from Cleveland to the UK to Japan. And we, I think we got a, we got a bronze, we got a bronze medal that year. And then I was all the way back to get to the States. But um, so yeah, that was kind of where it all started. You've seen quite a bit of the world, eh? <laughs> I know. I'm pretty fortunate. Most of it's with, with Team GB. I mean, we do complain about a lot of stuff, but pretty fortunate to get to see the things we get to see and the places we get to go. Yeah, you guys, and you guys have, like, you were part of it before. Is I don't know if you're still part of hockey that much, but, like, your guys bond as the GB guys. You can just see, like, just everybody loves each other, eh? Yeah, I think because we did grow up, like we, we, the guys on those teams, I mean, I was a little bit older than sort of Jonathan Phillips, but I was kind of that transition stage. We went from having guys like David Longstaff and Jonathan Weaver. Jonathan Weaver still played till, you know, in, on GB till, what was that, 2017, 18. But, uh, but all those guys like John, David Clark, David Phillips, Richie, all those guys that all grew up together. And, and it was sort of every year we kind of get together and share stories. And, and definitely that helped when it came down to the crunch time where we started having success, but it took us a few years to get to that top level. Yeah. It definitely helped. Yeah. Well, I saw like my years over there was when you guys were almost winning gold and you got like silver and it took a couple of years to break through. But like when teams care about each other as much as you guys did, that's what kind of puts you over the edge, right? And like when it comes down to crunch time at the end of a game and Richie will block a shot with his face or whatever will happen. Right. And <laughs> yeah, that's how teams win, but okay. So then you get to uh, Maine and you don't play for a year. Is that because of like um, schooling in the UK compared to the US or why do you sit out a year? No, it was, it was, it was basically a technical error as, as such. Cause my second year in Cleveland, I was done high school. Cause the first year in Cleveland, I went to high school. Um, but I, so to get in, I had to get a student visa. So at the time, the coach in Cleveland, we should have of course looked into this, but he said, Oh, what we'll do is we'll register you for community college and then we'll get you a student visa. He goes, but it doesn't matter. It's just to get the visa. So the first semester, he said, you have to go the first semester so that you can keep the visa. Right. So I go the first semester, get like four, four C's probably. And then, um, and, and the four classes. And then after Christmas, I just don't go back. Um, so nothing really happens with this. Like the visa is fine for that year. And I'm going to go to Maine, they're like, oh, did you um, did play junior last year? That's fine. That's fine. And then someone said, oh, this is like 10 days before the opening night, like the start of October, the first game. They're playing North Dakota at home, two games. And they someone from the compliance department calls me in. They're like, hey, what's this community college you went to? I said, oh, I went there just for a student visa. And they're like, oh, as soon as you start doing full-time education, you can do like one or two classes, but as soon as you start going full-time, it starts your five-year clock for – for, to play four years so I only had 12 credits to transfer so I should have been a transfer student right but I only had 12 12 credits so I wasn't eligible to play so, so you got I bad advice taking those classes you should I was a part-time student I stayed one more year yeah. after high school and I took two classes a semester and then I could transfer those over yeah I mean it was one of those ones where just maybe at the time people didn't know and it was just to get the visa but to get the visa I had to take full-time courses Oh. Um, so yeah, it was a bit of a tricky situation. And then I had a decision to make, right? Like, do I, I was 20 years old. I still had one year left for major junior. Do I, do I try and like go to like, speaking to Guelph in the OHL? Like they try and break into the OHL as a 20, it gives an overage. Like they were going to give me a spot, but, um, it was just tricky. Like, do I, do I stick it out? And because it was already October, I think it made it easier. I really only had a couple months till Christmas. 
then I could come home. And then, and then I, because I was going to be able to play for Great Britain in the World Championships in April, it didn't actually seem like that long. And then I think at the start of school, I was about 155 pounds that year. And then by the start of the next year, I was probably up to about 175, 180. Yeah. So I got a lot stronger and it made it probably an easier transition, you know, for that first year playing. But I probably gained about 20, but I don't think it was that much muscle. <laughs> not, not for, not for me. <laughs> it was just the freshman 15, really. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Those cafeterias were all you can eat yeah. every day. <laughs> <laughs> it's unlimited meals. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, that makes more sense. So then when, so you would have just got bagged that year with uh, the other healthy scratches and battled and competed and practiced. Yeah. Well, fun times. Okay. So then you finally get to play and then you just ran amok your first year, which is like your first year of actually playing college, you scored 29 goals. Yeah. That was the first uh, year that synergies were a thing. And that's why the pop came out of those things, but, um, <laughs> but no, I mean, uh, it, it's just one of those ones where everything sort of clicks. Like you get a couple of opportunities early and, are you taking um, a one-timer on the PP or are you standing in the slot trigger man? Uh, back then at the start, it was more kind of in the slot. Yeah, you um, yeah and then just kind of getting a lot of one-timers. Kind of one-timers in the slot there. And, um, you know, yeah, it was one of those ones where you was just getting some good pop off the stick at the time and um, things were just going in. And, it, you know, I think it came out real hot and then it slowed up for a while and then it could finish the year two. Um, and that's where we went to the Frozen Four that year. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's a lot of goals in college, man. That's quite a bit. And then you had 46 points. Um, so is that when you get drafted to the NHL? Is that year? No, I was drafted out of Cleveland. So the year I was in Cleveland when I had that big year. Um, there so was you NHL scored 29 goals in college. Do they talk to you at all about, like, signing a contract and leaving or no? Yeah, we did a little bit, and I had an agent there too. And um, retrospectively we talked about the coast and maybe making a different decision but if i if you probably had known the nhl was going to shut down the year i came out of college you, you might have pushed to even try and turn pro just even no matter if there's assignments or not just because it might have been easier to, to you know transition where you might get a better look at american league but um a, a little bit like a little bit in the conversation but not a lot um and then just thought it was better to go back and then i had to the second year, as I said, I got off to a hot start again. I think I had like, I don't remember like goals. I had like 14, I think I had like 12 or 13 goals in the first 12 or 13 games. And then I broke my ribs. Um, and then I was out for like two months and then I came back and I just couldn't get it going. Like it just, just didn't it feel is the different same. And though, it, man. Yeah. Like when you get injured in the middle of a season and then yeah. everybody else has been playing for a month and you've been yeah. dealing Especially with that, that shit. Yeah, man. It's hard. It's hard to get back to where everybody else is at and like have the confidence around the net to really bury it. Right. Mm -hmm. So then your last year, um, you have 44 points in 44 games and you guys are good again and you're in the frozen four, but then that's the lockout. So now I get it all. Um, so you're in the coast Atlantic city. <laughs> Is that, that's a nice place, but you had like a point a game there, eh? Yeah, that was one of the ones because I uh, that was one of the teams I was talking to in the summer, as I was saying, and they had they had a younger team. They had a lot of first. I think they had like nine or ten rookies, first year pros. So you started in San Diego because you're in California. Yeah. Then you get traded, or what happens? Yeah, it just wasn't working out, and, and both parties like I never asked for a trade. But, you know, it was just one of those ones where, like, we kind of just you speak to the coach and 
you just, just know like, when hey, people like you or not, yeah, or if you're, yeah, they want you. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just not, it's just not working out. And he says like, uh, where would you, if there's anywhere you'd rather go, like, let me know. It wasn't like no animosity or anything. And uh, that's good. So I said, well, this guy, it, it was a guy who used to be the assistant coach in Maine and he was coaching San Diego, uh, sorry, in Atlantic city. And uh, yeah, I went there and, and they, had, they had a bunch of injuries when I got there, played a lot, had a point of game and, um yeah and it's just one of those ones where it just didn't really so then when do you go to the greenville growl that was to, i was right at the trade deadline oh so you did well in atlantic there. city and then they trade your yeah. ass <laughs> yeah <laughs> well greenville had a good squad then so i was oh. looking at the upgrade uh <laughs> was upgrading into a better team no idea uh, yeah greenville had a good team there's a lot of guys that uh a bunch of nhlers were on that team chris barch marty st pierre like a lot of those guys it was quite a lot um, of players down there. So I was down there for like a few weeks. And then, um, yeah, and then, and then at the end of the season, I had the opportunity to go to the World Championship. So um, the coach Small was like, world. Hey, Small world. Yeah. Chris Birch called me to try and convince my kid to play AAA this year. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, no. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Okay. Um, so you, yo, so then how does the playoffs go then when you go to Greenville for the playoff drive? Yeah, well, we didn't go far. And then it was one of those ones where, you know, the world championships is in late April and, you know, just went over the world championships. And I can't remember where it was. I should have brought some stats up here so I can refresh my memory, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, I got to go to world championships. I was sort of the routine, right. For most of me, most of my career and the same as the Brits that play in the elite league as soon as the season's over you go to world championships in the spring it is interesting like for growing up in Canada and the world championships the way Canadians look at them I have never understood it like the players just don't go like and I get when you've played yeah. 82 NHL games and it's a grind and you've been doing that for a bunch of years you need some time off but like then when I went to Europe and like I was playing with a Danish guy and we win the German championship and he literally left the night we won the championship to make it to the world championships. Right. And it's like, I, to me, I was like, there's no way I'd want to leave this to go play again. Cause we just won our thing, but like everybody makes the time and everybody is there for their country. Right. And everybody else takes the world championships way more serious than North America. Yeah, I know it's, it is kind of, weird and any but it's one of those things where you're proud to represent your country and even though it is right after your season and as i was saying we do share a good bond with all those players so it doesn't really seem i think when you first especially when you play in like the elite league final on a, a sunday night and then on tuesday like you're, you're flying back to belfast on the monday and then flying back to coventry on the tuesday for a two-week training camp two days you're like what the hell's going on here but but at the start, it's crap. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, that first few days, you're like, why did I come back here, you know? But then once you once you kind of get a couple of exhibition games under your belt, and then you, once you get to the World Championship, wherever it is, then you oh, kind of yeah. get that buzz for it, and you're, you're ready to play again. But just after you just got knocked out of the playoffs or on one, the last thing you want to do is put your skates on again on Tuesday in Coventry. Yeah. So, <laughs> for an exhibition I mean? game. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But. Um, but yeah, always, I mean, I, I always enjoyed it and it was always, um, something yeah. to look forward to. No, for sure. And it like, it's, you guys aren't doing it for the money. You guys are doing it cause you love it. You love hockey and there's not enough of that hockey when you get into pro, you know, it's fun to yeah, watch I you mean, guys you, play in that. Yeah. You get to go to, as we were saying, you get to travel a lot of different places and, uh, you know, even though things are a little bit more serious now, you still get time to have a little bit of fun and go out with the boys and, and experience the cities as well.
So, so then after that lockout year, you sign back with Belfast and, uh, it says you only played like 27 games that year. So did you get hurt? No, no. Um, there was a bunch of like challenge cup and knockout cup games then too, but the, I actually stayed in North America because I had a tryout or, or with Grand Rapids in the American League because I still wanted to try and, Mate, yeah. you know, so Ed Courtney had called me in like August and I played against him. He played, I think he played in South Carolina and he called me in August. He said, oh, I'm coaching in Belfast. And uh, he said, you fancy coming over? And I said, oh, well, I'd still like to try and stay in North America and give it another shot. Um, and he goes, well, if it doesn't work out, give me a call. So I think at the time, the Amer- I can't even remember when the American League camp was, say, in October. But the time that was over, it was towards the end of October. So I didn't actually come to Belfast till November 1st then. So they were already well full into, into the season. Yeah, yeah. And then that year is also the year that, that London folded, like 20 games into the year. So, so they started, this is the biggest EIHL thing you've ever heard. So they had the challenge cup already. Right. But say London had, had 20 games, left, 20 home games left. And so the other teams had two or three home games against London as well. So they started another, another trophy mid season. So they called it the knockout cup. To is make that what the KO the, cup is? <laughs> yeah. So they started this trophy to make up for all the games. And they just changed <laughs> the, the whole, the whole thing. <laughs> Yeah. So teams, so I don't even know how many games got played in the league because it was all, of course, there's one less team. And then now they're just adding in these other games. Everyone's like, what the hell? So, uh, but yeah, we end up, I can't remember. We end up, so they, I think they get rid of that ter- that tournament in like 09 or something. But we ended up winning it the last year they had it. I think it was the 08 or 09. So the KO Cup, I'm just picturing you just play. If you win, you keep going. Yeah. Yeah. I think he played a home and away. I think it was aggregate score. Same oh as the my gosh, that Terrible stuff again, idea. guys! Come oh, on, yeah. come on, no, that's no. not hockey. Enough. We played uh, in in <laughs> 08 or '09. We played. We Manchester. We had the Challenge Cup and the Knockout Cup, and we made it the final of both. Right, and Manchester was in the final of both as well. So we had to play. We had to play within two weeks. We had to play Manchester twice in, in two the different final of the same trophy. <laughs> <laughs> and they were and they ran out of games that much like they couldn't even book these games because you were playing like wednesday saturday sunday that I, I think the first leg of the knockout cup in manchester it was a league game and a knockout cup game so to, <laughs> they double dipped it <laughs> and i think it was like the score was like two two oh, i love the double dippers that was oh, when so i when like, i started in cardiff I didn't understand what was happening. I was just like, okay, oh, let's yeah. go out and try and win the game, whether it was <laughs> whatever. I just go out and try and win. And then we come to a practice. And I think we're doing pretty good. And Lordo is losing his mind. Like we're in seventh <laughs> place. And I'm like, how are we in seventh place? We've won almost every game. <laughs> but I guess we had lost a couple double dippers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. um, yeah, it was like, so it was like the end of regulation. And it was 2-2 two, two in the cup, but then we have to play overtime for the league point. You know what I mean? It's just oh, like, my God. Hell? I remember. Stuff didn't like it that. just happen a couple of years ago where, oh, like. Oh, yes. Yeah, there was a mistake. Remember? Didn't it go to a shootout? Mistake. The finals went to a shootout, and, like, one team had won the. Uh, yeah, wow. yeah. There was one where somebody played. There was a one a couple of years ago where someone played, and it wasn't supposed to go. They, they said, no, there's no overtime. Oh, it was in, like, it was in a challenge cup. I think I might have played in that game. It was like a it was like a challenge cup round robin game, and it gets to the end of the game, right? We, it was us, Manchester, and uh, at the end of the game, it's like two two, 
And uh, the ref goes, that's it, game's over. And we're like, oh, no, there's overtime now in the, in the round robin, the challenge cup. He's like, no, there's not. And we're like, uh, maybe you want to, like, make a call and check on this? He's like, no, that's it, it's over. So, like, sure enough, get off, get undressed. Like, an hour later, they call the league, and they're like, yeah. You're... So the next night, we played them, and we had to start the game with overtime from the night before. <laughs> <laughs> You so, started you play- so you did overtime <laughs> and then that, started that, that will do opening puck drop and- <laughs> yeah. oh, by the way Kevin folks story. you should really reconsider aggregate scores the whole thing here <laughs> um i re- like the one year i played playoffs in cardiff was we played you guys and i think yeah. we we tied you in belfast so then we head home for the second leg and we're like yeah. well we tied them there like we're sitting pretty and then you guys won a road game and then we were out but that was that was that was some serious battles you guys in cardiff that year do you remember like the exhibition game i'm new to the uk don't know anything really about the league all i know is that there's quite a few fights right in the past history so then we get to belfast and lordo his first speech and he's getting us all wound up like these guys are the unicorn they beat won the league by so far they're so good and then we go out there and we just got in a full-blown brawl like for 60 minutes. Do you remember that? Yeah, because yeah, we um, it, it seems to go in cycles, isn't it? Like it seems like sometimes certain teams have like a lot of heavies and then the next year they don't. And it was one of those ones where maybe the year before you guys you had Lordo and maybe like one other. He thought guy they got something. pushed around. So then he brought yeah, in like Hendo, yeah. Dougie Clark, yeah. Jesse Mitch, and yeah. like there were so many. One of the cycles for us like we're the year before we had like Suez and, and like a couple other kind of bigger guys and then the next year the guys that they had didn't really want to the it. guys that came to the yeah they're the guys that came to elite league because they want to be scorers right which happens mm-hmm. all the time mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you guys have like six or seven guys and then we're kind of like look us, the smaller guys like looking down the bench at these guys like man aren't you gonna do it in here and then that's where they had, they had to bring in western because we the guys they brought in to like fight weren't weren't fighting. They brought in West Guards because they're like, God, no one's even doing it. And like oh, that man, was a that, that it was here, so. it was like a battle for arms though. It's like when yeah, one team yeah. got a guy, then the next team got yeah. a guy, and then for the second year, it was like Cam Jansen and everything. Yeah. It was yeah, a lot of people getting into it over there. But I I mean I thought it was really exciting hockey. <laughs> <laughs> um okay. So, anyways, those were good battles, those Belfast Cardiff games. But uh back on track here. You played the one year in Belfast. You played 27 games, and you said Theo Fleury's on that team and Todd Kelman. So you guys win it. Goalie's Mike Menard from Owen Sound. Is that right? Yeah, they're correct. Small world. His brother was on here. Yeah. Um, okay. Chris, so, right? I played against Chris in the coast. Yeah. Yeah. Chris came on. Yep. And uh, moving on then as you go back to the coast, eh? you, you want to grind her out again. So you start with Fresno in California? Yeah, I started in Fresno. Um yeah, went okay there. Decent points, I think. And then um, I don't care about I th- Fresno. Just... I want to talk about Idaho because I played them in the finals oh, of the coast. And what a town! Yeah, right? it was great. And um, same thing. Started Fresno, and then just like numbers game a little bit, you know, and kind of get bumped around. And then the guy was like, "Man, like we don't have any space." And he says, "Idaho's real short number, like real short." I could get you there. And I was contemplating coming back to the UK, and I was like, "Well, it's already Christmas, whatever it was." So I said, "Sure, I'll go to Idaho." And man, I was glad I did. I mean, what a great town experience and like really good setup. Like probably one of the best coach setups I would say that that I've ever seen. And the, it's an amazing town. Great bars there. And there was a bar there we got free drinks at. All you had to do was like tip. 
I can't remember what it's called, but it, it, uh, when we went there, like for the finals. So however long you were there for the finals, I think we were only there for yeah. two games and uh, you know, that's like four days or whatever, but like what a town, everybody's biking around, everybody's smiling, oh, yeah. everybody's happy. Yeah. Boise, so Idaho nice folks. And, and they took real good care. Like they had, after, that was probably one of the first places where like after the game, they had a bar in there, you go up, you get free meals, um, you know, and, and the rink's right in the town center. So you just cruise around and, and uh, yeah, I was maybe like, a, I played I had good points there. I was playing a lot and um, it was going okay. And then I got like, I ran into a guy that was like six, six and my nose was like all over my face. Mm. And uh, so I was pretty concussed for a little bit. And I actually never even ended up playing in the playoffs that year. So that was the year that they won it too. Oh, you were on that team that played us in the finals? Yeah, yeah, but I wasn't, I didn't play in the playoffs. I was, I was gone, but then like I only played, I was concussed and I didn't didn't play the rest of the year. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they had a sick team that year. Yeah, they did. Um, So you, yeah, okay. So Nesbitt was on that team? Nesbitt, Lance Galbraith. um, Lance Galbraith ran a muck in the playoffs. Yablonski, Nickerson was there during the season. So goalie yeah, was uh Silverthorn. Good team. Yep. You guys, you guys beat us in the finals just straight up. You yeah, they won. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that close. <laughs> we won the first game and then they won four straight. That was it. Yeah, yeah. We got tired. <laughs> Conditioning issues again. <laughs> okay. So then uh after that year you were concussed. So when do you start feeling better? And then like how long does it last? Um, I mean I had a couple of concussions like going back in the day as well. I didn't play again that year. I actually missed the world championships that year too. Cause I played, I think since all one GB, but I missed quite a few for injury. Um, and I missed that year. And then it was sort of, that was the story I was telling you about Kelman where I started talking to him in the summer. And then um, it, I kind of had enough of the coast at that point. It was just like, Hey, like it's not American league's not going to happen. Um, I was going to come back to the UK. Didn't work out with Belfast at that time. Um, and went to Newcastle. No regrets about going there. It's, it's a great city and, and a lot of good people involved in the team back then. David Longstaff was on the team and good friends with him. He's a British legend. And, uh, you know, Rob Wilson was a coach and all that stuff. So it was definitely it was definitely a good experience. But kind of what's always... the league like back then? You scored 30 goals your first year home. So then um, how whatever you made that year, you're I'm assuming you're getting the raise then to get to Belfast the next year. <laughs> 30 as a bread. <laughs> Todd started seeing them much, but I, I always, took, as I say, I never like held out or anything like that, or never asked for anything inappropriate, you know. And um, but I was really impressed with Belfast before, and Newcastle looked like they were starting to have a little trouble as far as with the rink and things like that. So, and actually, two years later, they end up playing in Whitley Bay, which is like a, I don't, you're probably that was probably before your time. So yeah, and then the team wasn't able to play in the league anymore. So it was one of those ones where. You know, Todd wanted to get me back, and I wanted to be back in Belfast, so it kind of worked out worked out well that way. When do you meet your gal? Um, two thousand. Have to check here on the check the stats too. Here, two thousand <laughs> later, two thousand ten. There. Okay, um, okay, that wasn't yeah, why yeah. you were trying to get back there. Okay, you weren't taking no, a hometown no. discount yet. That was that was prior. <laughs> yeah, after two thousand ten, it was the the money was gone. Yeah, once you start dating the locals, that's when the teams know they got you. Yeah, no, nowhere to go now. You're not leaving. <laughs> yeah, that's where the offers could go down to the hockey world, guys. Yeah. Just think about it. <laughs> okay, so then you get 30 goals in Newcastle. The team's okay. I've yeah, never heard of Newcastle good. being good, so I don't know. Yeah, we were pretty good. Like I think we were 
you know, we were in the top maybe four most of the year. Um, a bunch of good players on the team. They did a good job that year, but just not enough to get over the hump. So then you go to Belfast, and is that when you guys are, like, really good and just dominate the league? Yeah, the year, um, that first year back, like, we had a pretty good team. That's where we won the Challenge Cup, and then the last year, that Knockout Cup. Um, and then I'm trying to, I don't even know what we finished in the league, but we were pretty close. Like, Coventry, because Coventry was a big powerhouse back then in, like, the 2000s, late 2000s, because they were the first team to get that uni deal. Oh. So they had, they they had a lot of guys in early on that guys like Carlson and Calder and um, uh, Martin. So they had a lot of guys, and then they stuck around there too, even after. So so they were a real powerhouse, and they won the league and the cups and all that stuff in the playoffs back in the day. Okay, I didn't. I, I knew Coventry used to be good, um, but yeah, yeah the yeah. school deal is huge for any team. Like it's it's what made it, it. It is definitely why I went to Cardiff. I didn't know anything about Cardiff. I knew I was going to get an MBA and it was going to take me one year. Yeah. If you look at the, the demographic and the players that come to the league, it makes complete sense for teams to be able to offer that. And you're going to get players that are, you know, better players to come to the league that maybe wouldn't think about it. And um, it's definitely a good recruiting tool. So then when did you get named captain of the Belfast Giants? Af- um, yeah, this is my second year back there. Um, George Owado was out for injured for the whole season there. At the start of the year, he picked up an injury, and um, I got off to pretty I had good numbers. I think in the, the year before, I was second in the league in scoring, and then we won both those cups. And then the start of that 09-10 season just kind of – it was almost like my second year in Cleveland. Things just started really well and just got some confidence early. Um, and then just kind of snowballed from there and just kind of kept the momentum for the whole season. Well, it's uh, being named a captain of like, uh, I guess, a, teams like Belfast or Cardiff, like Richie was just named. Like when you get named a captain of one of those teams or any team for that matter, it's got to mean quite a bit, no? Yeah, it did. It meant a lot. And then um, especially the next year, like when we were able to play the Bruins, the Boston Bruins in 2011 um, or 10-11, you know, the sort of be wearing that seat. I mean, there's lots of moments where you're proud to be captain, especially. So did you get to go for like the opening face-off as the captain against who would have been Chara? Chara. Yeah. I should have sent you that for the profile picture of the thing there, but um, <laughs> yeah. the collage, but, but it's pretty funny. Him like six foot nine and me five foot nothing standing, taking, taking the face off. <laughs> but uh, that was one of the part of moments as, as captain. And then we won the, the year before we won the playoffs. Um, you know, getting the getting the, to take the trophy there was definitely a, a big moment as captain. How did the game go against the Bruins? It was all right. It was pretty. I mean, they outshot us. I think the shots were probably like forty-five or fifty to fifteen. But um, I mean, they were on another level, of course, as you know. Um, but but La- not Lance Galbraith. Jade Galbraith actually scored first. So the you guys were up the, one nothing. Yeah, up one nothing, but. But they, I mean, they had the puck most of the time, but it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't like an absolute debacle, but obviously you could maybe tell they weren't going full pedal to the gas. Well, but they're still, they are like playing an exhibition game for their spots, right? All those fringe players, they're playing for their jobs. Yeah, they weren't, they weren't going easy. That's for sure. You could just see that, see the difference, you know, they don't, they weren't fumbling pucks and so strong down low controlling the puck and, and. There was one, um, you know, where the guys just get their feet going and they're just flying down the ice. You're just like, this team has got no chance here. And, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting when you do skate with guys. And, like, I've a lot of times it's like D-men, right, in college, like John Michael yeah. Isles. He'd go out there for Michigan State and he'd get the puck and he just, like, 
he'd make everybody else look like little boys and like he would just skate through everybody and then set someone up back door and you're like huh looks really easy when he has the puck you know that's how you're supposed to do it that's what you're supposed to do when you play hockey (laughs) okay so then uh when does todd kelvin make you guys do the christmas video to one of my favorite songs mariah carey all i want for christmas because you're in that video are you not on youtube folks check it out belfast giants all i want for christmas (laughs) yeah the um we were we were at a good year that year that was the year that there was a three-way tie i think it was you can't a, make that was video if you're having a bad year, year. you and, cannot um, make that video have a bad year yeah so she, there was a two-way tie for first and we were second one point behind so three teams within one point basically um but yeah i remember it was before it must have been in december of course sometime and it was one of those ones where hey on your day off they're like and you know the boys were like out on a sunday night or whatever and they're like oh gotta come to the rink tomorrow at like 9 a.m we're gonna do this video and we're like yeah yeah whatever so we all show up you know after a few pops the night before and it was the longest day in history (laughs) like it took oh my god and you didn't even do like all the bits in one day we were there from like nine in the morning to like eight at night and everyone was just like get us out of here like it was the longest day and then guys had to go back like other days is to film like different arts but uh but no you had no idea it was gonna turn out to be a viral video right well um mine never got to be viral the time that happened to me was in germany it came up way before in the podcast people probably haven't heard this story in a long time but i do have the pictures on my phone and in my email now but i'm not allowed to show them but i was in an erotic photo shoot in germany <laughs> and we were told we had to show up at the <laughs> rink on a monday and uh, we didn't know why. We just knew there was a photo shoot. And then a bus of Russian <clears throat> um, ladies showed up for a photo shoot. Um, and for the most part, they were naked. And they played hockey against us naked. And they pretended to coach our team naked. And then the final scene of the day was in the shower. I skipped that one. <laughs> didn't want to upset the wife you know you can't be enjoying the shower scene but it did happen and i have the proof on my phone and that shit would have gone viral if we would have sent it out folks but i won't <laughs> i i made promises i won't send it out <laughs> but i have it now <laughs> that's a keeper it is um best story of the day i was kicked out of the massage scene i was supposed to be laying on the bed getting a massage from one of the russian ladies and the uh photographer or the producer director said i didn't have the body type for the massage scene (laughs) (laughs) fun day though (laughs) justin kelly episode died you know what i'm talking about (laughs) okay moving on uh you then after that decide to become an import again in europe and you go to one of my favorite places in the world morzine france i went on a ski trip there I know about it. Yeah, the um, things were going okay in Belfast, but um, I'd never played in Europe. And and there was these, this agent came to me and said, hey, like this team's interested. Would you be interested in going down there? And, you know, I, I figured I could play in the Elite League, which I did until I was 40. So I was like, well, might as well go down there and, and see what it's like. And then if I, if I did well, then I might get an opportunity to go somewhere else in Europe um which didn't it didn't work out hockey wise but i mean what an amazing place to to live and the first few months you get there so we got there august 1st and it's like 30 degrees like 35 degrees just like unbelievable mountain town in the summer 
Um, and it's good for one or two, but August, September, still pretty busy. And a lot of uh, bikers, um, different downhill stuff going on. And, and then, um, so I think there's about 3,000 residents there um, normally in the summer. And then it, from October, November, there's about 300 residents. Everything closes, like rest, like there's only like two restaurants open. None of the bars are really open. It is like ghost time for two and, months. Until skiing We're, starts. Yeah. So like, it, and when this is ghost time was going on, I remember we went out for the hockey there is, I would say it's below the level of the elite league, but then more going to be a lower budget team also. So we are taking like mini buses to games, like three or four hour drives and mini buses that players on the team are driving. Like, <laughs> No apps like, for that, mate. Yeah, like what is going on here? And then you play, you play in a way a longer trip. You'd be taking bus the night before, not a sleeper bus. Take a bus all through the night to like uh, Rouen or something, ten hour bus ride. Get there eight in the morning, pregame skate, and then they're like, okay, so uh, grab some food, and then the face off is at eight p.m. And we're like, oh, so where's the hotel? Or take a nap? And they're like, nope, no hotel. So you yeah, just have not. to hang around the town or take a nap in the locker room or on this bus, which is like parked in the park a lot. And we we're like, what the hell? But, but as far as, so like, and I think once, once it got to, I think December, something like say 23rd, I went to bed at ghost town, no snow, get up on like the 23rd or 24th, two feet of snow overnight almost. I'm like, how the hell did this happen? And the place is just packed with people. I think there's like 30,000 visitors a week there. And it was every day we got free ski equipment. We got free ski passes. I'd never really skied in my life before. By the start, I couldn't go 10 meters without falling 10 times. Um, but we got to ski pretty, ski pretty much every day. Um, and with a couple of the imports who were really good skiers. And, and we had a great time there. Deuce the was there with months. Yay. Yeah, oh, yeah. He's a great guy. He was a good skier. Um, and then a the guy called Brad Smith, an older guy. Did he ever tell you about Brad Smith? No, no, yeah, I know that, that I've heard that name. Show. Yeah, you might want to get that guy on your show. He played in Belfast actually in 2010 11, too. He had, he had 60, I think he had over 60 goals one year in the American League. 60 played about a, I know, oh, yeah, who, yeah. Did he play for Grand Rapids? Yeah, you have to look him up. Old he used a wooden stick, taped the whole way down the shaft. Like, this, he still used a wooden stick in 2011 12. <laughs> he brought about 150 sticks with him. No visor, just old school, but a great guy. And, and just so many stories about him down there. And, uh, just an absolute beauty. Did you ever eat fondue? Oh, yeah, every night. I mean, I, you're talking about the freshman 15. I came back from there about 15 pounds heavier. We used to, I used to eat, we used to eat out every night of the week there because we got such great deals at restaurants and the food was so good. Like, how oh, could you not? I, when we went there, if that was so, my wife let me go as my retirement gift when I hurt my knee last season. I went uh for uh carl hudson and a bunch of guys we all went there's 11 of us went to morzine skiing because carl hudson yeah. had played there and set it all up and oh my gosh what a time we had and so fun. you go out for dinner and then we 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 ate halfway down the mountain and then skied in the middle of the night all the way down but yeah. it was it's amazing what a spot but yeah fondue food around there good stuff <laughs> but yeah i only went for like i think i went for a weekend and i bet you i put on 15 yeah. to 20 <laughs> but yeah, i was working at it <laughs> okay so then after that year then is uh oh dear you started in sheffield the next year after morzine yeah as for for a guy who was the mc at our wedding kelman and i definitely had a few 
few times we were good at negotiating contracts but uh he was the mc at your wedding he, he's a talker eh? he would have yeah, nailed that hey he was really good and and i don't think anyone here or well and any of my wife's parents friends had ever seen a guy talk like that especially with the mic so they were he was, he was doing great but uh but yeah so belfast had won the league the year i was away actually and then when i came back from Warsing, they had already kind of offered contracts to all these to the brits to come back because they had won and, it and they had done well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I had, so I said, oh, he's like, well, I can't really do anything until I find out. And I said, well, Sheffield's offered me like a good contract. And he's like, well, can you wait? And I was like, I don't know. What do you think I should do? And it was one of those ones where I, I couldn't wait because I didn't want to pass it up. And there was, as you know, there's only so many spots for Brits on around the league. And uh, it was okay at the start, but I just, my heart really wasn't in it there. And I just knew that I wanted to be back in Belfast. So, uh, I packed it in uh, just before Christmas, challenged the Elite League's two-week notice rule. And, uh, yeah, two weeks later, I was playing in Belfast. <laughs> Is that right? So, like, what, you say, like, I want out of my contract and they kind of have to let you? Is that how it works? Yeah, well, they weren't happy about it. But well, no, nobody's going to be happy to lose a player like you. <laughs> well, yeah, of course, of course, of course. But um, but it was one of those ones where you know I was fully within my rights, and they tried to say I wasn't, but I was like, well, there's not much you can do about it. And um, so there was a little bit. There, that's where they talk about the the, for the only elite league trade because Belfast had a guy in import, Scott Champagne, and uh, they wanted rid of him. I I think no offense to Scott Champagne, but he it wasn't working out and yeah. Sheffield wanted they had an import injured so they wanted an import so I think they kind of brushed it under the rug to make it look like a trade so they said oh we'll let you go to Belfast if, we, if Belfast gives us champagne which was like it worked yeah. out for me so I didn't really care what they called what, it what, or what they yeah. said as long as you, you know, get back so, to Belfast right yeah so I mean my wife was here at the time we weren't married but you know I, I kind of want to be back here and, and uh, I lived here in the summers at that point too so Okay, so you had set up shop there. You're living there in the summers, and you wanted to go back after Morzine, and it's tough, right? I know that yeah. happens to players. You leave for a year because you want to go spread your wings and you want to go be an import, and then when you want to mm-hmm. come back, like there is only so many jobs, and when people are signed, they're signed, right? And it's yeah, it, and it would have sucked for you to ha- not go back to Belfast if you you're that's where you want to be, right? Yeah, definitely, and um, you know it was no offense like any of the people in Sheffield, and I'm still friends with all those guys and all the guys on the national team, and. But it was just one of those ones where, as you say, your heart's maybe not fully in it. And, you know, and then you just know you kind of want to be somewhere else. Um, I never did ask. So how's Stephen Murphy, your cousin? Is that a first cousin? Yeah. So his um, stepdad is my mom's brother. So kind of half cousin. And he, um, him and uh, so my uncle and his Stephen Murphy's mom got together when he was about uh, eight or nine. So I'm about a year, I'm about a year and a bit older than him. So um we first met when we were probably about nine or ten and uh so for me at that age it was almost like you're getting a bit like, it's like uh what is it in uh stepbrothers or dale and family it's like do we just come, it's like, do we just, we just become best, best friends, friends? <laughs> yeah it's like well so you guys would have got to grow up in the hockey world together then yeah. right yeah. yeah so like almost like you know that age and he had already started playing hockey in dundee because he was from dundee originally and he uh then he moved to glasgow so all of a sudden I got a new best friend. So he started as a player. And then when I was telling you about those under 12 and 14 teams, we never, whatever Achilles heel was, we never had a goalie. And I told this story in a bunch of other podcasts. And so my uncle, he was our coach at the time. A he bunch of other podcasts. Woo. How many are you on none, here? Jeez. None, none as good as this. Of course. <laughs> but the, um, 
the uh so it was one of those ones where like we're we're like got the puck the whole time we're all over teams and all of a sudden they take a shot from like the red line that's going in yep so that one saturday morning at like 7 a.m my uncle he's pretty ruthless he's like right <laughs> tells the other goalie to beat it like they take his pads they're like all right so they strap the pads on one kid fire him in net nope take them off him all right another kid fire them on him and then steven's like i'll give it a go i guess so they put him in that and He's just like, like Julie the cat right off the top, you know? <laughs> so, uh, so we're like. Mighty Ducks so reference we like, there, folks. <laughs> yeah, so we're like, all right, you're a goalie. And then that was that was a turning point from the Glasgow Junior Development Program where he just started. Uh, but, yeah, so. Goaltending uh, matters in any league. Yeah, but he's, he's doing well. And he, he's, such, he's a guy that's, um, of course, known for a long time. And he's retired now. So he played um, at Belfast for a kids. long time too, right? Yeah, 10 years, 10 years, maybe 11 as well. So is he still um, there he, too then? Yeah, he's married to a girl from here as well. Mm. And they have two kids. So Belfast, I mean, there's something in the water here, I think. because Cardiff's got the there same thing like, in their water. <laughs> there must be about 20 guys that live here. Um, yeah, Cardiff's know, the got last, the same thing in their years. water. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of guys that, that go to Belfast or Cardiff yeah. and uh, – perhaps hit the town and uh next thing <laughs> you know they never leave <laughs> <laughs> uh funny stuff okay so then you get back to belfast you get out of sheffield um and i guess you set up shop you're there for the next six seasons yeah things um that was kind of at that point i knew where i kind of wanted to be and um how are negotiations you know, like how long are these deals you're signing um pretty much just like you just say money next year yeah that's fine done yeah you know um a little trickier after todd left um let's just say that but yeah. um but he always took care of me um as far as like that we we go I'd go to his office or go for lunch we just talk crap for like an hour and then be like so same same deal that yeah no problem like that was it like or and some years i don't even know if he even signed a contract it was just like just assumed you know yeah the same yeah. money coming back so um such a good guy that way and and you know i never pushed the boat out or anything like that and um but a yeah lot of, he's know, the type of guy he's gonna do what he says and says what he does yeah, right yeah it's yeah. not too many unfortunately it's not too many people in hockey left like that and um that speaks a lot for him i yeah i agree um okay so then uh some of the uh, i guess your memorable coaches how many coaches did you go through in belfast belfast had a lot i had um ed courtney my first year um then i had steve thornton for two years steve thornton for two years then we had doug christensen big american guy he's, he's coaching the coast now actually again uh doug christensen for one year then we had paul lady for one year then we had steve thornton again I've got a good memory here. And then we had uh, Derek, Derek Walzer for yep. two years. Yeah. Derek Walzer, great player. Really good player. Um, he was a great player. Had... He, I played with him in Syracuse. He was the D-man. Oh, I'll never. D-man slash forward. But I'm not... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> He's the guy that. <laughs> he he was last man back and turned. The... I, this is what I get called <laughs> the coast, right? And like, I am. Like, I just, you know, I'm happy to be in the AHL. I'm just trying not to screw up, right? <laughs> doing everything I can to get the puck deep, get it out. Yeah. Just do whatever I can to stay there. And that guy was last man back, like last man back. Like, I mean, bringing it up from behind our own net 
tried to dangle last man back, gave it up. They go in and score. And then he came to the bench and the coach goes down to the deed, say something to him. And all he said was, I didn't mean to go, go F off, go back to your end of the bench. And the coach actually did. <laughs> he had some crazy skills, man. Like he, some of the stuff he did as a, as a player was, was pretty impressive. I mean, I don't know if, I think he's coaching now at an assistant somewhere, but I don't know if he knew what he was, I've said this before too. I don't know if he knew what he was getting himself into here, but um, another player without the coaching tag, I don't think he would ever play in this league. Uh, yeah. And then my last two years was keeper. Kiefer. So yeah. 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 What so a competitor had... that guy is jeepers. I hated my shifts against him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, he was. He hit too hard. I didn't like it. <laughs> well, yeah, they um, went through quite a cycle of coaches. That's for sure. Yeah, they they go through them in hockey. I know that. <laughs> um, okay. Well, then, how about any memorable times then with GB? We haven't really touched about that. We've basically gone through the rest of your stuff, other than GB. Like, obviously, you were on the team with both gold medals, making it up to the top group. Yeah, that was. I mean, I went. We went full cycle over the course of like the whole my whole career like we started out i think the first year would have been like 2001 maybe and that year was the year i don't know if you heard that story before where we played in slovenia and uh slovenia was good and, and there was say four other teams I, I can't remember the teams were well, estonia was one of the teams so us and slovenia both go undefeated then we tie slovenia in like one of the middle games three three so the goal differential differential they Slovenia has to beat Estonia we beat Estonia like 6-1 like they're not that bad at the time yeah so we we Slovenia has to beat Estonia by like I can't we have to look this up like 10 goals to to get promoted to pool a right well, they beat them like 17 nothing like really? guys on oh there was there's a lot I I don't know at the time I was like 21 but guys were saying how corrupt it was like guys were just like getting coughing the puck up it was brutal so, so we, so we almost won gold that year. And then it took us until 2011, I think one of the ones we got silver or bronze, we were really close again. And then we didn't, then we actually went down a division um, once they changed it. So we actually didn't really get a chance until, and then we, we were in um, two years in a row. We were, we had the games in our hands to get up to the next level. I mean, we got silver two years in a row we, and both times I feel like we were, we were leaving it going into the third and we lost. And then the third year was the time in Belfast where we, we end up playing. We won all our games. I think Japan won all their games and it came down to the last game and we you just like weren't going to beat the night. Yeah. And it, it was just the experience from losing and, and having it on our tape. Like in, I think it was in Croatia. We lost the last game after being up like two, one against somebody like Ukraine. And then the year before in, in Holland, I think we we're up as well. Then we lost. Um, and then the next year, the year we were in that kind of better pool with Italy and Hungary and everything, even though it came down to the wire, it was one of those ones where everything just clicked for us, where Bounzi was unbelievable. Our power play was just, we got Perlini, I think that was his first year on the team and, and everything just started to roll and, and everything just clicked. It was almost like it was meant to be, um, and, and to get up to that top pool. And it was just amazing, especially for me, my last year to play in the division a was was something I always dreamt about and, and got that opportunity the last year. Um, it was definitely a memory that I'll always cherish. So you, yeah. Who all did you play? That seems memorable players or country. Um, yeah. I mean, we got to play, um, we got to play against like Finland, Slovakia, Germany. Um, 
Team USA. I was a healthy scratch against Canada. That's another, that's another oh. podcast story for you, but uh, we'll save that one for another time. Okay. But um, but even just to uh, get to get the opportunity to, to yeah. be there, I mean, it's a completely different. I mean, it, it's like nothing against the EIHL, but like the the division we're in before is like everything surrounding it, the hotels, the meals, the transport, the media is like the EIHL, and then that top division, it's like the NHL, like you know, everything you need is like at your fingertips. Like, you know, you're staying at better hotels, the meals, um, the travel, everything is just first class and, and getting to experience that is, is something that, you know, never had for the previous 15, 20 years. Yeah, so that would be very special. So then what did make you shut her down then uh, near the end? Like why, how did you decide to stop playing? Um, but, but I had a good year my second last year. I think I had high 20s and goals 30 goals maybe um the last couple of years there before the last year um and then felt okay going into the season i got a really bad stick in the eye um five games in um a guy i was on a two-on-one and the, the player tried to pass it over and the defenseman picked it off and he tried to like backhand the puck into like the 30th row for some reason and i was like this looking down at the puck and just got boom right in the eye so i missed probably about two or three months um and I just had a lot of time to think and, and just maybe when I came back after Christmas, I just was playing fine and, and had a different role. We had a bit of a different team and, and we ended up going on to win the league, but um, just wasn't really enjoying it as much as I did before. My body still felt fine and um, I feel like still could have kept playing and um, just made a decision that, you know, everything off the ice was going fine as far as my gym and stuff. And I felt comfortable walking away and, you know, they asked if I wanted to be like a part-time player or like assistant coach and then when, play yeah. practice and all that stuff. But I knew that like when I said I was retired, I knew I was done, you know, like I wanted to step away. You can't and, be and half in. Guys, you can't be half yeah. in. You got to be all in or not, right? For me, exactly. And and I also, I had my teeth were a mess and I knew as soon as I retired, I was getting my teeth fixed. So once I got that done, I, was, <laughs> I wasn't playing, I wasn't playing pro ever again. So that made it pretty easy not to come back. Well, teeth look good, man. Thanks. Appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> I've never had much dental work, knock on wood, but like, uh, is it painful stuff or what? Yeah. I mean, I had, I had three teeth knocked out during my career. I mean, never wore a mouth guard ever, you know, not recommended I, I, kids. I didn't not either. Recommend. Yeah. I dodged it. I don't know how I actually dodged it for, I played what I played two years, junior, no mouth guard. And then I played pro for 10 years. It wasn't until 2014, lost my top one. And then a year later, lost the bottom one. I was like, what the hell? How did I dodge this for so long? You know, I, I literally never wore one. And I just remember, I won't say who said this to me, but it was a coach. And he just said, if your teeth are going to get knocked out, do you think a mouth guard's actually going to help? <laughs> <laughs> that, that was my justification. Myself. Well, like, so when your teeth got knocked out, do you think having a mouth guard would have saved them? I bet you they would have still got knocked out. <laughs> Yeah, well, the one, the top front one, it was a guy, uh, Josh Schoon. He plays in, uh, I think it was Schoon, or somebody like that. He plays in Fife. And the puck was, say, on my right, and he's on my left. And he's not even close to be on the stick lift me. And I can almost see in the peripheral vision, the stick come up to try and stick lift. And just bang, I was like, oh, my God. You knew right away it was gone, though, you know. That sucks, yeah. Okay. Hockey, yeah. <laughs> um, well, you know, I don't really have much else other than it's really cool that, like, when I reach out to a guy like you who's like 
another legend in the UK. I have Mark Richardson on. I asked him to come on. He says, absolutely. Are you kidding me? You say, absolutely. I'd love to. It just, when guys want to come on, it warms my heart. And thank you. It's nice getting to know you over the last hour and a half. No, I appreciate that. And, uh, you know, I'd heard about it before through Todd and um, anytime it, you, you know, good people know good people. It's one of those ones. So, um, you know, pleasure to help you out and uh, anytime. Well, thank you. And uh, we can do this again sometime. Maybe we'll get the MC on with you and we'll have a catch up. <laughs> <laughs> we, we wouldn't even get a word in. I know. Um, but anyways, um, congratulations on a great career. And I'm sure if you ever wanted to get like back into the hockey world, I'm sure you could in some way if you want to. And if not, I'm sure the gym's going to go great too. And it's great you have that to sink your teeth into in retirement because I know not everybody transitions as well as you have. And it seems like you all got your ducks in a row. So good work. <laughs> Thanks. Very much. I appreciate that. And this has been another episode of Zero Ales and Hockey Tales with Sheds and Wally. Some people clap on a one and three. Some people clap on a two and four. Some people don't join at all because they got no rhythm. And that's all right. Some people, they drink too much. Some people don't drink enough. Some people are just like me. I hope y'all forgive them. I'm like Scott and Tommy Goldbands. I'm like Pete Southdown Van Van. I'm always speaking my mind when I'm better off by my tongue. I'm a bad show at the wrong time. Still, I'm a legend in my own mind. I'm good for some, but I'm not.